0: Welcome to Essie's Hour of Love, which is a podcast where we interview a different guest every two weeks about their personal experience with love, whatever that may be. It's a very open conversation. Uh, We hardly edit it. It goes for an hour and we just love doing it. Um, If you enjoy it as much as we like doing it um, and want to know a little bit more about us and follow along, I just recommend um, following us on Instagram because that's what we keep the most up to date. And it's at Essie Hour of Love, Essie's Hour of Love. Uh, So we're up to episode 36 with special guest Cole Nielsen, who is a creative director who lives in New York City. Uh, My friend used to be his designer. And um, she always spoke very highly of him. And then I, f- I finally got to meet him at her wedding in Israel, of all places, uh, where um, we ended up, Cole and I ended up coming back on the same bus from the wedding to Tel Aviv at like 4 a.m. in the morning and we had a chat. And I already knew that he was married with kids. and But I kind of felt like there was a bit of a story And then he ended up telling me that he actually used to be a Mormon. And he left the faith about three years before. Um, So, of course, I had a billion more questions. But I thought, no, no, hold on, hold on. Um, Get him on the podcast. So that's really all I knew. And then it took about seven months and I got him on. And I'm so, so glad because it's a, a really interesting, honest lovely story, conversation, whatever you want to call it. And um, I'm really proud of it. So I I hope you enjoy. turned away but so I'm guessing you grew up in because in um, this again my assumptions in America there's pockets
1: there's real like known pockets where Mormons live there are that wasn't my upbringing okay so I grew up um, outside of Seattle and there's definitely like a thriving Mormon community there but not to the point that it was like <coughs> You could comfortably be very exclusive. There were some kids, like, in high school or whatever who did choose to, like, hang out with, like, the Mormon crowd. But I had one, two friends. And they weren't even in my school, you know? So... friend Mormon friends? Mormon friends. Ah. Um, so Was it a branding
0: a... of your... Like, did everyone... Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, everyone knew, like... The Mormon kid. Oh, he's, yeah. Cole. Oh, Cole's funny. He's Mormon. He, like, doesn't drink. He doesn't do, you know, doesn't have sex, doesn't do any of that, like, stuff. Like, it's kind of, it's funny, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but there's a, it's such a almost, like, naive sort of shell to put on a person that a lot of people, I think, would treat me as, like, oh, don't, like, don't mess with Cole. Like, he's so... Pure and perfect, and he doesn't do any of the bad stuff, he's Mormon. And that was, I think, a story that I carry around with me, probably. Yeah. Um.
0: There is, because like, even yesterday I was walking with my boss to get a coffee, and she's like, What are you doing this weekend? I'm like, I'm oh, interviewing someone. And, and I said, You know, um, he grew up Mormon. And she's like, yeah, you know, I just spent my whole 20s basically drunk. (laughs) And she's like, I've never understood people that don't drink. Like, what did they do in their 20s?
1: Got married. (laughs) Had babies. Um, Became adults real quick.
0: So why no drinking? Where's where's that element from?
1: So other people can answer this better than me and really get to. So there's basically two ways you could tell the story. One is that person who started it. Um, had a vision, um, and that was, he received this thing called the word of wisdom where it's like health guidelines. Um, and so it included, you know, no smoking, no drinking, no harmful harmful substances, drugs, that sort of stuff. Um, no hot drinks, which has been modernly interpreted as like no coffee slash no caffeine.
0: Oh.
1: Um, Accurately or inaccurately, I think a lot of people still debate it, but, like, that has been no coffee. Um, And then the parts that are less followed are the things like, eat meat sparingly and primarily only in the winter and eat these sorts of grains for this sort of thing and that's these you know. So it's it's a health code, um, but primarily the things that are really adhered to are no smoking, no drinking, no coffee. When people think about, like, what rule. about
0: the no sex though? Is that the that's same? a different that's sort a whole, of whole different thing.
1: okay. So that's kind of like the Mormon okay. doctrine sort of or like whatever. That's what's told inside. What's told a little bit on the out peripheral is um, that was just there was a larger trend happening in. Um, I I don't know what that era... Because I haven't done a lot of, like, church history. A lot of people who leave the church do go deep into that stuff, and I was a little bit just like, peace, peace. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, there was larger trends of... Hang on, why, when you leave the church, you would do the resets? Because people have these faith crises where they're like, I don't know if I believe this, and I don't blah, 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 and I'm really struggling, and so they, they dig to try and find a truth that they can hold on to, and a lot of people go back to the origin. Um to try and, like, what, what, did, what did this used to be that maybe it's not now? Um, and it's also where you can easily, sort of, like, with the internet and everything, trace back to some of the inaccuracies of the story that is told in the present day. And right. so some people raise these flags and say, hey, actually, the Word of Wisdom was not some divine, like, thing that came down from on high. What it really was was a standard trend of many of the churches at the time, and um, Joseph Smith just adopted it and threw in tea as one like no hot tea because it was a little bit of a dig at his wife who was like, oh my gosh, you guys just like smoke and tobacco and it's nasty in here. Like they would have their church meetings and they would smoke and spit tobacco, and she'd be like, this is this is disgusting. I have to clean up after you. Also, it's unbecoming of you guys leading this church, and so he received a vision. And was like, basically just pulled from everything. And he's like, and no tea. (laughs) You know, it was just like a dig at his wife. And like, it was largely ignored for the first generation or two of the church until polygamy was removed, right? So we mentioned polygamy earlier. Um, And the government came down hard on the Mormon church and threatened to take away, you know, those tax exemptions and all that sort of stuff if they continued practicing it. So... There was, again, a revelation to say that polygamy is no longer a thing. But the church really struggled to find its identity because that was kind of their thing. And now it's like, how do we differentiate ourselves? We've always been a, you know, quote-unquote, peculiar people. What do we do now? And for some reason, the Word of Wisdom, the health code was kind of raised up and this is going to be the thing that we're going to really latch on to and brand ourselves as this very clean-cut um, law-abiding sort of people, as opposed to before, Mormons were a little weird, and like, rebellious, and had long beards, and lots of wives, and were these strange people, and then after that, you know, all the beards got shaven, there was lots of suits, and like this clean, and and they became, just changed the story around the church. It was a very, like, integrate into society, become very strong contributing members, in government, in business. you got, like, Mitt Romney. Yeah, you that's... Know. Yeah. Who um, I'm like, thinking,
0: like, when you're like, Sook, I'm like, yeah, oh. No, he <laughs> is
1: the quintessential Mormon in many of the best ways, to be honest. Like, I, th- from what I understand, what I hear about him, his intentions are super pure. He's a good dude. He's smart. He's probably shrewd, you know, a shrewd businessman. But, um, generally, I think, he's a very caring person and a very hard worker. And very dedicated to his family, and I think, again, hearsay, but this is, like, the idea of running for president was not something that he or his family was particularly in love with, but felt a sense of, like, calling or duty to be, like, you know, dad can do this, like, dad's the one, like, dad, you should do this, it sucks, but we have your back, you know, the country needs you. And
0: he ran, it was against Obama, right? Uh Yeah. Uh Yeah, because I remember that was an interesting thing because I never felt that when someone said he's he's Mormon, it was a negative. It was more just a a trait that was sort of said. Where I feel like in the past with extremely,
1: yes. it was a big deal to for some people, many people to be able to get over that hurdle. Right. Um, it wouldn't have you know couldn't have happened in the past and things like the Book of Mormon musical. uh, Have you seen it? (laughs) Uh, There's been other, like, Mitt Romney's a big deal, the Olympics being, I think, 2002? I don't know. The Winter Olympics were in Salt Lake, and that sort of, like, normalized Mormonism a lot. And so when... Mitt Romney was r- running a lot of people kind of called it the Mormon moment like there's the play, there's uh, Mitt Romney <laughs> I think there was some TV show maybe Big Love which is like yeah. apocryphal Mormon, Mormonism but still and like in general it was like society was starting to like accept this culture this microculture in a different way. And
0: when you were growing up though did you think that you were you aware that there was mm-hmm. okay
1: Um, yeah, because again, those things, the no sex, no drinking, no drugs, no swearing, no whatever. So everyone's like, oh, you're weird, you're different. Okay. Um, I would lose friends occasionally when they would kind of start to go down that normal teenage rebellion route where they would feel uncomfortable, like, sharing a lot of their lives and they would pull away and i kind of lose them. How Um, did that feel? It was... I don't, I don't know, I don't know that I can answer that honestly because I think I probably did the same thing in the counter way where it was like, actually preemptively sort of like, oh well I don't I used to hang with popular kids but the cliche of popular kids is they're gonna start drinking and having sex and so I need to like distance myself from them. But I think it was as I've gone back and looked at it, like very, like I had a lot of regret that like people felt and that I even on a subconscious level did judge people. Um And I was like, man, I don't want to be like that. (laughs) You know, and I feel bad. And it's just like, I feel bad that you felt that you couldn't share your life with me. Um, And then, yeah, regret. It's just like, oh, man, I could have had a lot of my friendships been much more profound had I been willing or able to accept them as a whole instead of them having to project a certain story to me, and therefore really probably just killing the relationship in many ways. But then there was also, like, a lot of, like, mainstream Christianity, Christian kids in school. Like, there was a lot of, like, anti-Mormonism stuff that was going around, too. Um, Which I didn't get too, too wrapped up in, but you hear it. And it's also almost like a weird sort of, I think, badge of honor. Like, the church has been historically persecuted, and it's part of the narrative that, like... Mormons are hated, and we are different, and people discriminate against us, and do all this sort of stuff. And so, I think it was more narrative that you kind of grow up and accept, rather than it really impacting my life and really feel. I mean, other you know, small occasions here and there. Yeah. But
0: did you, know. you then like? Did you have conversations with your parents to be like, why are we? Why are we Mormon
1: like? What? Yeah. Um, so a lot of people grow up very, like, strong Mormon families. Um, And I wouldn't say that my family was like that. I think my family was strongly culturally Mormon based on the fact that, like, my parents had both grew up in small Utah towns where everybody was Mormon. So they inherited, embraced, or just became a lot of the ideals of Mormonism without a lot of the religion and spirituality of it um, I, I could say that I would relate
0: that to friends who grew up in Israel yes they're like yeah I mean Jewish oh, yeah, is a right. part of our cult well, yeah of right. course we do that but I, they really rebel
1: against the thought that they're truly, they're very religious and I would say that's a little bit different because um, I think you grow up with this like mentality that like oh yeah well, we are spiritual, and we are this special sort of people, and whatever. But the the truth of it was is that my family was never super spiritual until actually much later. Um, and my my dad, uh, to his credit, was all. I mean, he struggled with his sort of where he stood with his beliefs until much later in life. And so, what I when I would ask him questions, he would always kind of be like to you you know Mm. you decide that um you and and when he was going through a lot of his sort of faith troubles he actually turned to me um for whatever reason I was probably the most spiritual of my family but at the time I was also the the, at that point in my life I was the least quote-unquote Mormon
0: Mm.
1: I was very interested in all types of religions and poetry and music and the arts and humanity, you know? But, again, that when I said that, like, you don't... In that culture, you don't... Ex- you don't... What am I trying to say? You see... You, you just put everything into this, like, oh, I am a Mormon. And so I didn't recognize that as, like, oh, well, the things that really resonate with me are actually the least Mormon parts. Right. Instead, I saw it all through this filter of Mormonism where it's like, oh, well, this like, belief or, or practice from, like, Confucianism is really just, like, this part of Mormonism, and I love it. And this part of, like, Buddhism is here, and this sort of poet, mm, this, uh, You linked it all you, to... All, you brought it yeah. all in and, and created the narrative, and, and so...
0: Well, that's your base, that's all you... That's your is, base, so of yeah, course you're going to relate everything to...
1: But it was, yeah. like, I think as I continued to move forward and I tried to be more and more Mormon that I started shedding some of those peripheral things and, and really being left quite empty because the out-of-the-box Mormonism stuff really didn't have as strong of a connection, you know?
0: So when we... Okay, because I was thinking... I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. um, and I would say my mom has, like, the true Catholic guilt, mm-hmm. and she grew up really Catholic, and we grew up with a lot of choices. Yeah. Um, but did Holy Communion and, mm-hmm, but, you mm-hmm. know, I did Holy Communion so I could wear the pretty white dress and eat mm-hmm. Tim Tans afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think I wanted to be a, yeah. a part of something, sure. right? Um, but, you know, we never, there was never a, a discussion of you probably shouldn't have sex before marriage. And if my parents said that to me, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you guys have told me some stories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but when they got divorced, mum definitely felt ashamed, and like mm-hmm. I, it was emba- it was an embarrassment i think for as her, her mother who grew up very okay. catholic you know because you don't they don't sure. really believe in mm-hmm. divorce so with mormonism what how were you raised in the thought of love and relationships and marriage is there a different way of kind of thinking of it um,
1: it's so yes i would say families have become over the past, maybe... I mean, it's in the foundational part, you know, the multiple wives sort of thing, really came down to this different viewpoint of of family. But in, I think, the modern era of Mormonism, family has been sort of, like, the flag that is held out in front. Like, Mormons are... This is the place where you have forever families. Like, when we get married, we don't get married till death do we part. We get married for time and all eternity. And it's, like, it's the, the whole, like what Mormonism about is about is essentially this idea of linking families through generations to all kind of live together in the afterlife or something like that. It can be a very beautiful philosophy if you choose to there
0: is an afterlife?
1: Yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Big 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 part. It's just like the viewpoint is like this life is a is like a blink in Mm. the eternal progression of an individual. And you're here to kind of learn and experience what a body is like you know and and sex is a big part of that um but it's like but as with everything Mormon, mormonism there's very strict rules you know it's like you're given a body so you can experience the earth you can experience pleasures and pains and impulses but is to learn how to control it and master it and and embrace it and 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 get the most out of it, but within a very sort of like prescribed sense. So it's interesting because like, it's like the teaching of like, enjoy this earth, enjoy your time here, experience, learn, fail, grow is all there. But But then there's this like fence that's like, if you cross that fence, it's okay. It's part of the plan, but you quickly repent and you come back. So it's just like, well, I'm not going to go outside of that fence Sense. because yeah. it's like, well, because some people go outside that fence and they never come back, you know? And what if you, this and that. And so there's a lot of fear and a lot of guilt. Um, and the, so family is hugely important. The whole like purpose of life is to like get married, have kids, make a family. And so it's taught all the time. Um, when you go to church on Sunday, your lessons, how to have a good family. You know, how to communicate, how to raise good kids, which are great. Which is love, yeah. Um, but, like, when you're, you know, 14 and, you know, you're talking about families, but then there's, like, but we don't, there's there's rules and these things are sacred and you you don't ever, you know, you don't do this before, you know. You don't, there's so many don'ts, it becomes a very scary thing. Um, and yet you know that it, it is, that
0: you need for it yeah. to happen you
1: need for it to happen at a certain point yeah but like
0: so when is marriage because here's where my brain went if i knew that that was truly like the biggest purpose in life mm-hmm. which i maybe we all already think that anyway but yeah, i didn't necessarily ever really you know and religion i remember thinking that with being catholic as well as that you had your first you know baptism first holy communion confirmation marriage marriage yep yeah. I was like, oh, I got the three. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's no different. But was there a difference? like, in high school, with the women around you, was there a different sense of like I have to find one of you to to get married because that is the bigger purpose. And-
1: well, yeah, in a sense, like, you know, the f- first girl that I dated, um, we were together for three years, probably. And um
0: And you would only date a Mormon?
1: No. Oh okay. I actually never dated a Mormon until I went to college.
0: Interesting. Like
1: Mormon college. Yeah. Um, she was Catholic and and we you know, I mean again, both of these religions have strong teachings about family and and so we were you know, quickly just like fell into that idea that's like, well maybe we were and love, we we're gonna get married, and we can't have sex until we get married, and then you, of course, like make out and feel each other up, and then you have so much guilt. <laughs> and it's like no, we can never Repet- do that again. Repet- and you go to church on Sunday and say, like, well, you can't do this, and you're just like, oh, I'm a terrible person. I'm a, like, I'm so bad. But it bad. feels so good. But, yeah, and i like, like looking back, I'm just like,
0: Man, such a bummer. It? Such a
1: bummer. Yeah. Like we had a, I mean, four young love, it was a very like, wonderful relationship. You kind of think about, like, who do you want your first to be? And, like, in many ways, it's just, like, there couldn't have been a better. Right. You know? And I'm like, man, what a what a shame to have lost that opportunity, you know? And not to say that, like, my first with, like, my no, wife was the like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, no I know. that's But you're kind of you're like, thinking. oh, man, like, that could have been really special. We were really cute, great, like, teenage love, you and know? And also, I
0: think you would, I, I think you could say that that would have happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it absolutely. wasn't
0: like it was it wouldn't have happened anyway. We weren't there yet. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely wouldn't. Would have happened. And instead of, instead we just carried around so much guilt and shame. Instead of just like, I I don't even know what I believe or honestly don't care too much about the idea of an afterlife or pre-life or anything. But like, either way, this is your shot. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, learn, experience, like all the ups, all the downs, like the fullness of it. Take advantage. This is it. Um, it?
0: Have you seen um, call me by your name? Not yet. Oh, yet There's so a well. lovely moment about mm. that and I don't think I'd ruin it by saying this, but that someone in the film kind of at the end basically says to someone that's been a bit heartbroken that I'm so proud of you for just at least little yeah. letting yourself be I heartbroken that, yeah, absolutely. And mm. that you this and he sort of like I never was able to truly commit to that
1: mm, experience. Yeah. And, you know. I'm gonna throw this out here out of context. I don't think the context is mine to share, but there was this line that I heard, which was in the context of kind of like a should we shouldn't be together, should we or shouldn't we be together sort of a discussion. Um, was give me the chance to be heartbroken. Yeah. You know, and I was like, that's really beautiful. Like, why not? Like, give me the chance to really dive in, and if you break my heart, that's fine. But like, if it's good, I'm gonna take that risk. You know, give me the chance. If it doesn't happen, that's fine.
0: No, I can, I completely agree. Cause, well, I've never been heartbroken, and I'm amazed. I, cause I, I guess I always thought it would have happened by now. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing is like, you know, first love is the deepest. Yeah. Um, you, you know, everyone knows, everyone knows what it's like to be heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And even with my best friends, we can be sitting at a dinner and they'll just be like, well, you know. Like, and yeah, I feel you like I'm that. like the only person <laughs> to be like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but, but yet most people have had mm-hmm. that experience and it is, it's, I would say that I have this want of, of experience what love is, but I also have this want of,
1: of the, of the
0: heartbreak because I think people learn, it's a huge moment to learn about yourself in that, yeah. in that heartbreak moment. It doesn't look like fun no but but it seems like like a part of life that you're supposed to go through
1: yeah and there's it's it's the up and down the yin yin the black and all those sort of things where it's like you can't really know one without the other
0: so you decided to go to a mormon college was that a a definite like were you always gonna do that
1: no okay no
0: by the way, is am I incorrect in saying that in Mormonism you have a two year kind of go yes.
1: experience the world, do whatever you mm, want? No, 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 no. Go experience the world through a church served mission. Oh, you know, I thought it was like go nah, get drunk, no, go do all the things, all.
0: realize how bad it is, nope. and then come back.
1: No, the complete opposite. Oh
0: wow, where have I got this from?
1: That's uh, is um, that an old myth? Like, no, no, no. It's um. The Amish. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I had a bit I woke up this morning being like, you know, you could be thinking of the Amish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But again, they're all New England churches and religions, I guess, you know. And so there, there probably is a lot of similar kind of DNA structures. I think they probably all came from generally the same time around right. the forming of America.
0: So you have to go save the world for two years.
1: Kind of, yeah. It's called your mission. I went to Korea. Um, it is to like teach the gospel and, you know, spread the word, exactly. Um, which I was never very good at. Um, did you want to go? Not growing up. It wasn't a part of my family's tradition. A lot of, you know, it's when you're talking about those rite of passages, like it's, um, there's like go on a mission, get married have kids oh like when
0: i was saying holy yeah, communion yeah yeah, yeah yeah confirmation yeah
1: so baptism holy ghost you know like mission oh well, for boys it's like you're eagle scout go on your mission <laughs> <laughs> and so but like i remember in class like you kind of go around and say oh well do you want to go on a mission and we're
0: like yeah blah, blah, blah.
1: and they'd be like cole do you want to go on a mission i'll be like no like, okay, really you know because i was like what well, i don't know like I just don't think that's what we do. Like, my dad didn't go on a mission. My brother didn't go on a mission. Like I don't see why I would go on a mission. But when I went to the church schools um, and I started seeing all these... And when my sister went to church school and she started talking about her friends and how great they were and they were going on missions. I was like, all well, these guys seem so cool and like they are going on missions. And then I went and I went actually after all of my sister's friends had come back And so she was no longer at the school, but I was, she like introduced me to all of her guy friends. They're like, oh, the mission is the best. You like learn and grow and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And then like, I met my best friend, Micah, and he had been on a mission and- he spoke highly of it, or at least I thought he did later on. He's like, I hated my mission. He's like, you went on a mission because of me? I'm so sorry. He's like, I hated it. I was like, wait, I thought you were like, you totally, he's like, no, I hate it. I was like, I oh, will, yeah. So, but like you you get around people, and you're like, I want to be like them, you know, and like, they on. And again, it's a, it's a narrative that like the culture embraces that you grow so much. Um, so stepping back just a little bit, in high school, I was like, I don't, I don't want to go to BYU. I don't like Utah. I don't, don't really see myself as that type of a Mormon. Um,
0: is this you being a little bit rebellious
1: as well, or not really? No, because again, I, like my family wasn't highly Mormon. Yeah. so you were even more so than yeah. I wouldn't even say I'm more. Well, here's the thing: is like when I talk to my parents, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I think I want to go with Walt down to like Berkeley. You know, I want to play in a band, and I want to do all that. I want to tour, and I want to go, whatever. And that's when it was like, it wasn't the Mormon thing, but, like, my dad was like, well, let's make a list of pros and cons. Is that really, like, the best thing? You know, and it's funny, my dad even just mentioned this very recently. He's like, you know, I think back when I told you to make a pros and cons list about um, what school to go to that you really resented that and he's like I think you still hold that against me and I'm like yeah because that was the time when it's just like do it you want to go play music go play music you're young you're a kid you know you don't need to make the right decision right now the capital R right decision it's just like if you have these like things where you want to go write and perform and play and hike and blah 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 this is the time so know? why
0: do you think your dad didn't want you to do those things
1: uh i think because with my dad and again i think this was the sort of like seeped in mormonism of just there's a right way to do things right and society know, society and you know you do you do things the way you want to be smart you know it's you need to be mature you need to be responsible and all this sort of stuff and um and he was forced to be his dad died when he was 12 um, and so he needed to step up into a very big responsible role at a very young age a lot wrote on him and I just think that's part of his makeup you know, hard work, integrity, responsibility all this sort of stuff and like maybe he didn't have the opportunity to just toss it all behind and go play you know, go explore the world you know, so it was like I think he probably passed that down in a way, or just like well, That's what you can consider it, but really you should put it up against pros and cons about going to the University of Washington, you know, in Seattle or BYU. And it's like, it's hard for like those things to win out in the pros and cons list, you know? Yeah. Because
0: uh, Yeah. No, I, I hear you. So when he brought it up recently though, was he also a bit, dis- was there some disappointment in, in himself that, or was it more no. just bringing up that I just think you still have a bit of resentment? Yeah
1: acknowledging it yeah um a little bit like I, it was it was actually in regards to like Susie and I I think in many ways like splitting up you know is this really the right thing maybe you should make a pros and cons list he's like I know the last time I said this was backfired.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: um but ended up like I it just kind of boiled down to like I think I got swept away very gently into this idea of like well I should I guess I should go to a Mormon school you know, it's probably the right thing to do. Um, and that, I think, in many ways, was the first of these very gentle, sweeping away of, like, I, in my heart and in my whatever, I want to go left, but I feel a pull in an expectation and a, obligation to go right. And I feel like that was one of the first of many of those to follow.
0: So, okay, so you're married to a Mormon. Mm-hmm. And you're going through this stage of questioning and trying to figure out who you are. And I'm, and you come to a point where you're like, I think I'm, I'm... Do you leave a faith? What do you let it... Is that kind of... I mean, there's no... It's not yeah. like you go to the church and sign a release form yeah. or something.
1: No. Um, it was pretty gradual. Um,
0: were you discussing this continuously with your wife as you are going through this phase? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And for a long time... She was trying to, she was playing the role of like trying to facilitate a way for me to like fit or be or do, you know, maybe you need to pray more, you need to read your scriptures more, you need to serve more, you need to like. Oh, the
0: faith will help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then at a certain point, she was kind of like, you know, stop, do whatever you need, like, stop with all that. If you want to stop going to church, like, I support you, I want you to be happy. Um,
0: That's quite big. <clears throat>
1: Really big, especially in that culture, and and no doubt there were times when that was hard, and so I think she probably did feel fear, probably some resentment, but like, she would feel those things, but she would, I think she would try and like do whatever she could, just be like, you do you, um, and similarly at that time I had began to see a therapist for the first time, and he asked me. He was this amazing, like, old, loud Jewish man who, like, cussed a lot and, like, would say really crass things about, like, women and, like, I think it was all a character that he was playing to, like, rattle me out of my box, you Mm. know? And maybe not, but... You've
0: never asked him?
1: No, but I want to go back. He's so good. And I feel like where I'm at right now, it would be good to have, like, a, you know somebody to work through things with. Well, also
0: you don't have to start again with him.
1: He knows. And to kind of be like, hey, all those things that we talked about, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! And I'm back here. (laughs) A lot's changed. But yeah, he was like, one one time he was like, Cole, what do you want? And I just like, I can't, I I can't answer that. Like, I know what, I was like, well, I want to, I want to be like, I want to be like a good husband. I want to be a good dad. He's like, do you really? What do you want? He's like, those are expectations of you. And he actually... Like, I just... I did not know how to answer that question at, like, the very most basic level because it was just something that I hadn't even had a chance to really think about. Or if I did think about it, it was always in the context of, like, my profession. And he's like, yeah, in your, in your work, you're you. But outside of your work, you're nobody, really. You're just... You are the, um, kind of the sum of your expectations and burdens and responsibilities, but you're not, like, an individual. Um, but yeah, when I said the thing about, like, I want to be a good dad, I want to be a good husband, he's like, which is, I think, out of step for a therapist to say something like this, but again, I think he was doing it to be provocative, and because he probably was new, but he's like, I don't think he do. He's like, I don't even know what you want to be with anybody. He's like, I kind of think you want to be alone, and that was like really terrifying to hear because deep down <laughs> I was like, He's right.
0: Um, I also think it's fascinating that most times someone shares what a therapist has said to them, they normally start it with, My therapist probably shouldn't have said this, hmm. but Interesting. and they say the statement. I'm like, well, Maybe therapists maybe are supposed, supposed to, to say, say these things um, because that's what. You know that's what truly yeah kicks you in, and they don't. I think what I find fascinating with therapists is they don't just throw those out. That's a that's
1: a that comes after your tenth session right. or. But yeah. the thing that's crazy is you get the impression that they've known it all along. Yeah. You know they're incredible. Like I mean, the good ones really can like read you, and just kind of know. But it's not their job to like put that out there. It's their job to. Gently guide sort of you. guide, prod, you know. But that's what
0: makes me get angry with. <laughs> like because
1: you're like, I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, Just help me get to the end thing. And they're like, what's well, What's yeah. about?
0: Yeah, I've just... I went and saw someone for about... I might, it must be like nine months, ten months. And then when I went back to Australia recently, I haven't... I'm, mm-hmm. I've been back for a while and I haven't reached out again. Yeah. And um, I really want my therapist to like me. As, mm. which is a classic classic yeah. thing uh and i sometimes prompted a bit i sort of go well what how you fe- how are you feeling how this yeah. is going she's like i'll let you know when yeah when i have something to share with you i'm like, oh. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like i have to learn how to even yeah. just talk to a, a therapist yeah but i so this is maybe like a weird segue but it's not because the he, did your therapist recommend you to so yeah. there's a book called the drama of the gifted child the search for the true self why did he recommend this to you i mean it's pretty obvious when you start reading it but yeah it's pretty obvious it
1: um basically the premise is um so it's written by this woman named alice miller who rejected a lot of the sort of like psychoanalyst um sort of practices of the time and I don't know enough about, like, psychology history to really get into how it was different from Freud or Jung or anything mm. like that, but she was like, the truth of everything lies in your childhood, you know? Like, you need to go back and you need to find those pains that, as a child, you weren't able to recognize and mourn or find those things that you had to close off in order to survive. Or, she was a big thing about, um, sort of, child abuse and this sort of, but, like. That word abuse is very very broad. It can be very subtle emotional abuse. I did
0: when I was reading this. I was like, yeah, head nodding, and then when I read child abuse, I went, Well, I wasn't well, abused. No. no, yeah, but absolutely. then you know, uh, but then I read on and like it doesn't. What I liked about it also was that it's everyone. Everyone it's every has this. So it. So does, that doesn't mean there's, of course, there probably aren't such great parents out there. Not, yeah. But a parent can be the best parent in the world and there will be still something that...
1: They screwed up in. Yeah. And I mean, screwed up on, you know? And it's just like... So again, it's like, dig and find those truths and live with them, mourn them, feel them, bring them kind of to your present, and that's the only way you can really move on. That was her big thing. And so I think also sort of recognizing that, like, I would always carry with me the narrative, well, oh, my parents were great parents. They never did anything wrong. You know, they loved me, whatever... And it was really hard for me to admit that, like, actually, I felt a ton of pressure growing up. There was so much expectation to be, like, my parents would say, oh, my kids are perfect. Kids never do anything wrong. It was so offhanded, you know? And like, oh, well, we don't need all that stuff. Like, you guys don't do anything wrong. We don't, like, the, the church has a lot of, like, you know... Meet, do a family night every week and read your scriptures together. This will help keep your kids on the straight and narrow. And my parents are like, we don't need that because you guys are great.
0: You know what? Um, confuses, conf- is confusing? So I'm like a chunk way through this book. And it talks about... Here, yeah, I'll read this bit that Thank I got. So um, I think they're talking about a child in the sense of that their parents what the parents needed from this child was mm. sort of security. Yes. Right? Um, so it is one of the turning points in therapy when the patient comes to the emotional insight that all the love she has captured with so much effort and self-denial was not meant for her as she really was, that the admiration for her beauty and achievements was aimed at this beauty and these achievements and not at the child herself. In therapy, the small and lonely child that is hidden behind her achievements wakes up and asks... What would have happened if I, had, if I had appeared before you sad, needy, angry, furious? Mm-hmm. Where would your love have been then? And I was all these things as well. Does this mean that it was not really me you loved, but only what I pretended to be, the well-behaved, reliable, empathetic, understanding and convenient child who in fact was never a child at all? What became of my childhood? Have I not been cheated out of it? I can never return to it. I can never make up for it. From the beginning, I've been a little adult. My abilities were they simply misused. Were my abilities simply mm-hmm.
1: misused. Well, When she goes on, that I actually just read that this morning. So, really? Yeah.
0: That was strange.
1: Yeah. She goes on to say that all of those feelings, you know, sadness, anger, furies, whatever, even silliness or, that felt inappropriate, that children cut off. Um, distance themselves from distance themselves from their true self that by cutting those off you can't really be true to yourself anymore and you lose who you are and as you grow up you feel really empty and you question who am I Um, why do I feel this whatever and it's like well because when you were a kid you weren't able to be yourself you were trying to behave in a way that your parents wanted you to behave because that's what you could children are like incredibly perceptive to know like my parents need me to behave a certain way to make them feel safe. They don't process it, but they respond. And it's like, well, if I'm this way, peace. Peace, yeah. Calm and, like, acceptance.
0: Right, but what I don't understand is I always saw that who I am today, my true self, is a combination of everything that's happened in my life. Mm-hmm. and um, And that, you know if this hadn't happened, maybe I would be a different person, but it did happen. So Mm -hmm. I am this person. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I find it a really weird thing to be like, who am I really? I don't fucking know. Yeah. Because aren't I who I am because of all these things that have happened? But Mm -hmm. I, but then I'm like fascinated by the thought of, because I, I completely know I changed my behavior to make sure there's never any conflict, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'll do whatever <laughs> yeah whatever has to happen and but I guess if i didn't if I hadn't grown up in that way that conflict was bad and that it resulted in not good things, how would I act is that kind, you know how would mm-hmm. I actually react in those mm-hmm. things but um yeah, that journey, which I'm presuming you've kind of been on for a while, is uh, scary mm mm-hmm so when you decided to get as a divorce or break up separate i guess separate, separate
1: would be like the the correct appropriate and term,
0: yeah. i'm guessing that flooded you with that's not what the big r that's not what you do um
1: yeah and you know you you worry what what becomes of the kids are they going to be okay and it's just like well Cause really what it came down to is like, I think in many ways our marriage had as, so my wife eventually also left the church and she hardcore shed those shackles, you know, and like, and they were, it was like
0: a year and a half after you left, right? Yeah. So
1: so you were kind of, I had been like fading out for a long time. And then like after I was done, done, yeah, it was probably like a year and a half. Um,
0: but you were (coughs) all still together at this point. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And our relationship really um, blossomed as a cliche word, but really like... It was free. It was, and all of a sudden we were able to like engage in conversations about what we wanted, how do we want to raise our kids, and what do we want our life to look like, rather than like, this is what it should look like. Um, And to do things like go have our first drink together, and you know, like that sort of Oh wow,
0: what was that like? I mean, was that a big decision to be like, I think we... I mean, because you can leave the faith and
1: still not drink. Yeah. It's one of those... It's like a public thing where it's just like, this glass of wine means that I left the church, you know? It's like a big deal. Yeah. Um, Did
0: you get drunk after one and a half?
1: No, I have an unfortunately high tolerance. Oh, God. That (laughs) would have been confusing. My (laughs) wife, on the other hand, like first time she was gone and it was hilarious it was <laughs> she really must be
0: like no wonder I didn't have this in my life yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> um I mean she had a great time it was really funny um but yeah we were like we were happy in a way that we hadn't been happy in a long time but I was like hey actually the truth is I still like wonder you know like I still like feel like I missed that sort of you know, experimental time where you meet and you date and you, you know, fall in love and get heartbroken and all those sort of things. And, um, you know, the significant and the insignificant, you know, whatever, like, I don't, and I don't know if I will have a one night stand or whatever, but it's like, that's an experience that people go through. It's part, maybe it's part of life, you know? Um, and I, was, I wouldn't
0: say it's that great. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> no, no, but it can be.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just, it's a thing, you know? And it's just like, and maybe that won't happen for me, or maybe it will, I don't know. But, um, just, I was like, all these narratives are still stuck in my head, I can't shake them. And she was like, well, she's like, yeah, I get it. I, She's like, I feel that way too. And I was like, I don't know what to do about it, because it's like, you know, I love you. I love our family, you know, but I don't want to like throw it all away. And, and this was when it like really changed when at first it was, just have an open marriage. And I was like, wait a second. What? Like this, what? Come um, on from. I was just like, <laughs> is this a thing you can do? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. Um, and I just assumed that we would say we were going to do it and then nothing would happen. Um, Like she had a date like the next night, you know, (laughs) um, and it was fun, you know? And like it, I never really, I went on like a couple dates, um,
0: but you're still in the same house, still
1: in the same house. And like what we kind of rules, no, no, not really. Um, but really that decision really like correlated with us kind of stepping back from one another. You know so um, I, I think that like the process unearthed like some some pains and resentments from our own relationship and very quickly it was kind of like because I guess going in and there was a rule that's like well we need to focus on us as much as we do other people because otherwise this is just gateway to divorce I'm um, like yeah 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 we're gonna do that but it, quickly kind of was like oh actually I need some space you know um I was like okay yeah we can give each other space it's a lot
0: though it's a lot that you're changing the way that you live Mm -hmm. and you're living with someone that is your best friend I would say like Mm -hmm. and that you've gone this journey on now you're sort of going on dates mm-hmm. and even like drinking on those dates mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. so many elements of it you could have sex with mm-hmm. them if you want to yeah, that absolutely. is okay yeah. yeah. and yet and then coming back you know and I, I mean my I would want to share
1: it all with you mm-hmm. because and, and I, we had no problem with that and there was no jealousy and this is one of the things that
0: fascinating
1: you know for so many years we did struggle and we did have so many unhealthy.
0: When you were. S- yeah. Still in the f- faith.
1: Or was to, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Um, and we had so many like unhealthy codependencies. Um, that. Oh shoot. Where was I going with this? Um, basically, there was a point when, um, when I was maybe particularly distant. You know, like there had been phases when. I was very much there, and there was so much trying, and she felt distant, and then ones where I felt distant, she was super trying. There's a point when my wife was kinda like, I love, you. I love you, and I can't expect anything from you. And it felt like a little bit of like a backhanded slap, you know, where it's just like, I you're not gonna do anything for me. I know that, and I recognize that. I'm gonna choose to love you anyways. But the truth is, is that that is like the secret to love without expect, expectation, you know? Um, and so the pains that we went through taught us how to love without expectation of a certain type of return. Um, and, and so, yeah, it was like when... And, and, and instead, just love the person for who they were and be excited for whatever was going on. You know, and so when this thing's, you know, we start dating, it's like, oh my gosh, tell me, how was it? You know, like, I was amazing. I can't, I can't believe that happened. You know, like, and we were friends and there was like, I don't need to be scared about, like, this doesn't, this doesn't infringe on our connection. It's a different thing. And I can be excited about it because it was super fun and like, whatever. And you can be excited about it because it's new and and that was just, like, it allowed us to share those things. And then kind of through that process, and again, with the, like, hey, well, actually, this is sort of unearthing a little bit of, like, resentment. So we, I do want to step it back. And I'm trying to say these things without, like, yeah. pointing to who said it because no it's not either. really it's important. No, It's not the point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we took a step back, and we realized that we are really good friends, you know? And we were really good parents. And we were really good problem solvers and all this sort of stuff. But it was like, but we're not super great, like, I guess you'd say like lovers, you know? That was never really our strength. And, and so at one point, you know, the conversation will we'll separate, maybe we we'll split up. And that was terrifying for me, because then like, well, what, again, what becomes of the kids and how do we, and you know, my wife was great to just say what kids need, love and safety. And no matter what happens with us, They will always feel love and safe. Everything can change. They will adapt. It's if they feel fear, if they feel whatever, um, that's going to be what hurts them. But she's like, we can, we can define our family the way we want to define our family. And maybe, you know, we talked about and we realized that over the years, we have always had people living with us, you know, sisters, boyfriends, sisters, boyfriends, um, all we've always had au pairs and we've always like really enjoyed bringing people more people into our family. Um, and we kind of realized like just because the status of our relationship changes doesn't mean that our family is not a family anymore. Mm. And maybe Thanksgiving or Sunday night dinners will be awesome with two other people there. Yeah. you know, more people more love. Uh, this was one thing like when we started talking about this and there was like it was originally like a trial sort of period well we'll date other people it's like what if we fall in love what if we don't come back and you know my wife was amazing just to say if the worst case scenario is falling in love what do we have to lose and I was just like wow she fun? sounds amazing she's pretty, yeah <laughs> um, and so she really had like a lot of strength to like put all this in perspective
0: The lovely quiet confidence in this or like uh i don't i mean it's funny because we were just talking about how you on the journey of finding who we are but she said and i I normally don't try to talk about the other person that isn't here Mm -hmm. but she does sound like she had um some strength in her to be like everything is yeah uh, but i know we are good people Mm -hmm. and we're going to be Mm -hmm. okay and our Our intentions are 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 true and Mm -hmm. and and right and that's pretty
1: amazing and so yeah that started the process and um we just moved into our own places like last week actually and there's definitely like leading up to that there was moments where it was very sad for me you know to just be like This life, you know, that we built, it's amazing, you know, this house that we live in, like every sort of square inch of it is filled with some sort of memory, and just being there with the kids at this point, and for this whatever, and that, and I'm like, we're giving this all up? For what? Hold on, wait a second, what we have is really good, you know? And there's even moments with, like, our oldest, who was, you know, the night before, when she's like, it's gonna change, and I'm scared, you know? Um, How
0: old's your oldest? Eight. Yeah.
1: We kind of have this like rallying cry of like, it's going to be different, but it's going to be awesome. Different but awesome. And they've really like clung to that. And, but like, that was also a moment to be like, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be sad. And I was like, I'm really sad Sad, too, you know? Um, And we had been, she'd been like sleeping in my bed. And she's like, is this why you've been sleeping with us? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm scared to like let you go. But I will always be your daddy, and we will always be together, and you will always be loved, and, like, it's okay to feel both of these feelings at the same time. We're really excited, we know it's going to be good, and it's a little sad. Um, And over the past, like, week and a half, like, or two weeks, I don't know what it is now, that's been the case like they moved into their new place and they got their bedroom set up in a way that we never even had set up at our previous house and they love it and they're excited. And you know, they're, they feel safe. They feel loved. Still like some questions, wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> like, um, but like we have the conversations and we work through it and we kind of normalize it as just like, well, it's your family. So how are we doing it? Like, you know, Mom and Dad don't hug, and kiss anymore. We just hug, and maybe we kiss other people, you know? <laughs> and and that's fine. It's fine. It's just fine. Just is what is was it is, and like they've just kind of like rolled. Um, you know,
0: it's a, a, as a child, that's kind of gone through this. What's lovely, and maybe we're romanticizing a little bit. I don't know, but it seems like you and your wife are on the same page. Of what this and maybe the same sad, the sadness is similar mm-hmm. you know um and I felt like as a kid there was a quite a drastic yeah. difference of my parents sadness and, and how they were affected mm-hmm. and that was sort of very confusing because yeah. you're like hang on one seems to be really
1: <laughs> yeah. loving this life yeah. <laughs> the other's on the floor uh, <laughs> I mean we've when I've been on the floor um You know, my wife has been like, this is not the time. You actually need to, you need to be brave. You know, you need to, you need to be that parent when everything is falling down and say, it's okay, I got you. Um, She's like, there can be a time when we can have this conversation, but it's actually not now. And you Mm. need to be careful not to show that to the kids right now. Because again, if they see that, safetiness is in question. And they're like, there's really, there's She's right and saying it really isn't in question they are safe they are loved they are secure and like you can have your emotions but don't give them to them right now right um and i think like that moment with with my oldest when she was having a hard night was the right time to hold her and say i'm sad and it's going to be okay Okay. and be brave and sad at the same time but
0: that also gave her permission to be sad as well
1: yeah, cuz she's like I don't want to make you cry. And I was like you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Like your emotions are your emotions and like it's,
0: it's okay. Yeah, I definitely let my mom to tra- years and years of training me to be that crying was a beautiful cleanse rather mm. than a sad moment. Right. But right. it was like no, this is important. This yeah. is like going for a good run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it took years, yeah. but you know, now I'm like when I see someone cry, I'm like yes, let yes, it out. It just go. <laughs>
1: i always yeah I always like ask tell the kids or whatever I'm just like like I feel like there's more tears in there like I don't think you're done like there's more let it out it's okay you know um, so yeah I think that like we recognize that like in order to create that the environment that we want for them that it's important that even if we do have different emotions at different times because that's really the way it is um, that the kids don't really see that right now. It's important for
0: them to And they'll come when they when they want to know when they want more information and mm-hmm. stuff this will never stop this, no. this, this, that's the interest I mean I go, when I go back to Australia and chat, and I talk with my parents all the time I have one more question you know mm-hmm. or the, one more thing comes or I understand like when I became an au pair, and just having a little moment of kind of being a pseudo-parent for a sec. So many more questions. Mm, like, and mm. so much more empathy came from my mm. parent. Like, this journey of understanding your parents and their decisions yeah. and stuff. It, it never... I guess that's what this book is also about. It right. never ends. It never yeah.
1: ends. And and it's such... Like, this is a very defining moment that will be a part of their your life. Story, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and I... Yeah wanted to like commemorate it and celebrate it and make it a thing, and I think there was still time for that. But it was like, um, I think it was also important to just like, just make it safe, make it as just a seamless transition. You know, like it wasn't the story growing up is, and that is so interesting. Is like being a parent through this transition. It's a lot of thinking about how do we how do we craft the narrative. You know, as I think about a place to move into, my question was always, like, what is what is this for the kids, you know? And I found this, like, amazing place in Fort Greene with this, this tiny, super, super tiny, that had this huge deck, and I'm like, and we call it the Mouse House, and we are like, we're gonna grow vegetables out there during the summer, and we'll have campouts on the deck, and it, blah, 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 and it was a narrative, you know? And, like, I was like, when they grow up, they will say, remember when Mom and Dad split, and Dad went and lived in that crazy little place? I'm like that's what I want, and when that place fell through, I was like, I found other nice apartments. But I was like, there's no narrative here. I need something where they are like, which is what it is now. Remember when Dad moved into that like place that was super high up, fourth floor walk up, but it had that loft, and we would stay up there, and like Kiki would like play with his trains, and we had books and lights, and we did art, and it was just like that was our space, and, and it was really fun. It was across the street from the park, and we would go yeah. to the, you know, it's just like.
0: That's a good There's narrative.
1: There's a narrative, you know? And it's just, like, that was so weird that, like, that happened. And, like, but it was really fun going over to dads, like, on the weekend. And, like, again, it's a, narr- a narrative that, like, if we help craft, not through the, like, not, like, a,
0: like brainwashing or no, manipulating, no, no, no. but it's just, you're like, just
1: you're helping create a narrative. And yeah. they'll do with it what they want, but, like, put the right pieces in there, frame it in a way that... um that they can build on. Yeah, give uh, them the building for in it. a healthy way. Yeah,
0: yeah. amazing. I think my are Okay, that was so good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Essie's Hour of Love is produced by Essie Czar, Grace Taylor, and Nancy Pappas, with sound editing and theme music by Jimmy Linton. Always a special thanks to our guests who are willing to share their intimate stories.